Welcome to Alpha and Omega Ministries International. This ministry is committed to bringing apostolic alignment and restoration of the values and principles of the Kingdom of God to the body of Christ. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by the Word of God. This is our second session. We're continuing with the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And we're going to look at, in depth, the anointing within. We're going to read two verses of Scripture, one from 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, and 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. The first epistle of John, chapter 2, verse 20 and 27. I'm going to read verse 20 from the King James Version. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. I have looked up the word unction, because verse 20 in the King James says, you have an unction from the Holy One. So I looked up the word unction in the dictionary, and these are some of the definitions I found. One, the shedding of a divine or spiritual influence. The shedding of a divine or spiritual influence. Another definition says, the manifestation of spiritual impartation. The manifestation of spiritual impartation. Or, sorry, inspiration. The manifestation of spiritual inspiration. Now, the word inspiration means a divine influence directly and immediately exerted upon the mind or the soul. Let me say that again. The word or the, the definition of the word inspiration is a divine influence directly and immediately exerted upon the mind or the soul. Now these are interesting choice of words as we study the anointing of the Holy Spirit and His work within the believer. John says that this unction from the Holy One that we have received, this shedding of spiritual influence exerted upon our minds and our souls remains and abides within us for the purpose of instructing, comforting, guiding and teaching us all things. Interesting. Now, if we're going to be taught and instructed by Him, by this unction, we need to first of all acknowledge His presence within us. And recognize the influence he exerts upon our mind and our emotions. 
Now, if, if, we, if we don't acknowledge that He's in us, there's not much He can do. I believe this is the first step of faith that we need to take. We need to acknowledge. We need to believe. And acknowledge His presence within us. From deep within our spirit, He exerts His influence primarily upon the mind, the thought, the will, and the emotions of the believer, bringing divine harmony between the soul or the mind and the spirit. The soul and the spirit must come into agreement for a person to be spiritually minded. It is the work and the function of the anointing of the Holy Spirit as he begins to exert his influence upon our minds and our emotions, bringing perfect harmony between our spirit and our soul. Most of the trouble we are having as born-again believers is not within our spirit, is within the soul. Because the soul has not been renewed or restored, as Psalm 23 says. He restoreth my soul. The soul is made up of the will, the mind, and the emotions of the person. And so many of us have problems, not in our spirits, because in our spirits we have been made new. All things have become new. All things have passed away. The problem is within the soul. And unless the soul is restored or saved, James says that if we receive the engrafted word, is able to save our souls. Now remember, he's not talking to sinners. He's talking to born-again believers. And we have many born-again believers whose souls are not saved. They need to get saved in the soul. How do we get saved in the soul? As the anointing begins to influence through the word, the mind, the will, and the emotions, and brings the soul in perfect agreement with the spirit. Then we are the soul and the spirit together joining, they gain up on the flesh and they subdue and crucify the flesh. But what happens is, when, when we are not saved in our souls, what happens is the unrenewed mind, the emotions that are not saved by the Word of God, sides in with the flesh, and they subdue and enslave our spirit man. And that is why the soul is the deciding factor. That is why the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the unction of the Spirit, must exert His influence, His healing power, His restoring power to the emotions, to the mind, and renew them, and to our intellect, and bring the soul in perfect agreement with the Spirit. And that's where most of us believers have a desperate need for our souls to be saved. Amen? Amen. Now when you receive the engrafted word and you practice that word, restoration begins to take place in the soul. 
Amen? It's important for us to understand that. That's what Paul says when he speaks in 1 Corinthians 9.27. He tells us, listen to what he says. But I, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. He calls his spirit the I, the real me. The real you is spirit being. And he calls the body it. You're not a body. Amen. You are a spirit being. You have a soul and you live in a body. So he says, I, the new creation, keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So when he says I, of course he's referring to the new man. The born again man, the recreated man of God, the one who's been regenerated by the Spirit, he's referring to that man. I, he says, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Now that is a man who has his soul in agreement and in harmony with his spirit. The mind, the emotions, the will come into agreement with the I, the spirit man, and together they overpower and subdue the flesh. And that is a daily walk. It's not something you do once a while. Every day. Paul says, those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh. God is not going to crucify your flesh. He's already done that on the cross many two thousand years ago. Our spirit men must rise up and put the flesh under because the flesh wants to keep on doing the things that we have been doing before we got saved. Our body has not been born again yet. One day we're going to receive a new body, but until then we've got to live with the one we have. Amen? Amen? And subdue it. And crucify the flesh. Now, If the soul is not ministered to by the word of God and the unction or the anointing of the spirit and sides with the flesh, as I said, we are being subdued in our spirit. Our inward man is encaged, lives in a cage. He cannot express himself. He cannot minister as he wants to because he's been pushed under. By the desires of the flesh. Now, the Bible calls this kind of living carnal. And I'm sure you read it in the New Testament. Or fleshly. And Paul addressed this state of being to the Corinthian believers. Listen to what he says to them. Now, these are believers who have been born again by the Spirit... And have been filled with the Holy Spirit. The manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit were very much evident and alive in their lives. They were speaking in other tongues. They were prophesying. And there was a a manifestation of of all of the gifts of the Spirit in the Corinthian church. But you know you can receive the baptism of the Spirit and still be a carnal Christian and still be a baby Christian. How many of you know that? (laughs) just look around us in churches people boast they're speaking in tongues and they go home they act like the devil 
Amen. Amen. Or say, oh me, if you can't say amen. They lose their temper. They curse. And you, are these really believers? Yeah, they are, but the soul has not been saved yet. It's hanging in between. And some of us are going to go to heaven with a, with a soul that's unsaved, and God is going to put us back to school. Amen. And train us. Listen to what Paul says. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Amen? Division, strife, jealousy, backbiting, all these are symptoms or evidence of a carnal church. Now, the mind, the will, and the emotions of these believers in Corinth remained untouched by the anointing of the Holy Spirit within them. And as I said, even though they received the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they, they manifested the gifts of the Spirit, they were still carnal. Well, the indwelling presence of this divine unction, as we have mentioned, has not been acknowledged in these believers, has not been honored to the point of being able to influence the thought and the emotional state of the believer. In other words, it is as though there was no unction, there was no Holy Spirit within them. Are you listening to me? <laughs> well, let me say this. Learning to recognize His influence within us and trusting in His ministry is the key to a fruitful, spiritual, overcoming life. He is the key. He is the one who takes us from a babyhood stage and leads us through to maturity. In the church we have three classes of people and John addresses those three same classes. He says, I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven. Then he goes on to address the young men and young women. He says, I write to you young man because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. And then he writes and he says, I write to you fathers, children, young men, fathers. Amen. So we need to move from a childhood state to a young man, young woman who are strong in the Lord. Why? Because they know the Word of God. They have received the Word of God in their hearts and they are strong and have overcome the wicked one. These are the overcomers in our church. And then we have the fathers. Amen. And we should strive for that. Now the spirit and the unction, the anointing, the influence, the guidance, the teaching, the revelation, the manifestation of the spirit as he exerts his influence upon the soul of the believer takes him from one state of being to another 
to another. That is why we need to know and honor the Spirit within us. Sad to say, there is not enough recognition of His divine influence on the church today. And I'll tell you why. How many times we pastors and leaders of churches and elders, we make plans, variety of programs, variety of services, without even seeking and waiting upon the Lord for the guidance or the input of the Spirit in all of our activities. We just do something because another church down the road does it. They have success, so we implement the same program. And you go from church to church to church, and you basically see the same thing. Bible study, uh, midweek services, Sunday morning services, three songs in the morning, three slow songs, three fast songs, a message, then we go home. I I think if we start listening to the Spirit, we're going to see some extraordinary things taking place in our services. I, I mean it. When we take the time long enough to say, Holy Spirit, what is it you want to do in our coming together this morning or this afternoon? Or what is it you want to implement in the life of the church? Or what is it you want to see? If we wait enough, the Spirit will begin to give us direction and wisdom how how to do church. Am I right in what I'm saying? Why we don't take time to wait? Because we're too busy, folks. We focus much more on ministry than on intimacy with the Lord and His Spirit. And when, you put, when we put ministry ahead of intimacy, then we're committing the sin of transposition. Amen? Jesus gave us the great commandment before the great commission. And the great commandment is love and relationship. And when we take the time to relate to the Holy Spirit, to get to know Him in an intimate way, both in our personal lives and in the life of the church, we're going to see some fresh things. We're going to see some extraordinary things. We're going to see the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit like we have not seen before. Amen? Amen? And so we make man-made plans, man-made activities without any input, and that continues to dominate the life of the church. You know, the show of the flesh in the church... And the expertise of natural ability overshadow much of the church's way of ministry. There's a lot of show. A lot of show of ministers and ministry rather than learning how to hide. Jesus knew how to hide. He would heal someone and say, shh, keep quiet. Don't tell anybody. Now, when we see some, we would publish it all over the place. Now, if God says, do it, do it. But there's a lot of show, and a lot of flesh, and a lot of pride. And if we allow the Holy Spirit, it's going to cut us down to size. Amen? I heard one of our apostolic leaders in the apostolic movement that we are part of, One day he was praying and and the Holy Spirit spoke to him and he said, Give me my church back. (laughs) Give me my church back. 
<laughs> You've taken hold of my church. I want my church back. Amen. We've got to be careful of that. Now, most of us, I dare say, live life as though he's not here. Why do I say that? Well, because there's hardly any form of acknowledgement or recognition. And this alone grieves much the Holy Spirit. I mean, imagine you walk into a room full of people. Nobody acknowledges you. Nobody greets you. Nobody says hello. Nobody welcomes you. Nobody says a hug. Gives you a hug. As though you're not even there. How would you feel? Amen. And yet we do that to the Holy Spirit so often. Hardly acknowledge Him. Hardly say hello to Him. Hardly consult with Him about our decisions. We make plans. We move cities. We change churches. We change jobs. We don't even talk to the Spirit to find out what He wants. Amen. Amen. In other words, we're serving God on our own terms and according to our own conditions. And, and, and such worship or ministry is not acceptable with God. He will not accept it. Amen. Amen. We've got to stop and ask Him. You know, people often ask me, are you going to move to the United States? I said, I don't know. My boss hasn't said anything yet. <laughs> are you going to move from Cape Town? Are you going to move from South Africa? Because politically the situation there is, 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 is very uncomfortable right now. We're going through... Uh, a lot unpleasant things are you going to move I say move where must I go Bambas hasn't said anything I only move when he says move now if he tells me then I will move and yet we see believers moving all around today from one city to the next from one church to the next from one pastor to the next and they don't even consult with the spirit within They do that because they want to do that. Amen. Amen. Folks, the time has come for us again to embrace the cross and live life in the shadow of the cross and accept the rulership and the lordship of Jesus over our lives as he leads and guides us by his spirit. Amen. Amen. I was talking to my wife this morning. She said, I'm counting the sleeps until you come back. Like my little granddaughter who counts the sleeps. Three more sleeps, yeah, yeah, and we're going to Cyprus. Two more sleeps. I said, sweetheart, what can we do? This is the call of God on our lives. It's not easy. But God never called us to do what is easy. He called us to do what is impossible with the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, Paul had to address this gross negligence in the church of Corinth, this gross ignorance and lack of appreciation of the anointing of the Spirit within the believers in Corinth. And he said this to them in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. What's the matter with you guys? Don't you know that God lives in you? How is it that you act like mere men, walk and behave like mere men, like you have been untouched by the anointing of the Spirit? 
And not only does he rebuke them once, in his second letter he rebukes them again. And he says in in fact in the same letter, chapter 6 verse 19, he, he says, "What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God and you are not your own?" So stop making decisions, running around as though you own your own life. You don't. He owns it. And you have to have His blessing, His guidance and His release to do something. Now we can do a whole lot of things without Him, but in the light of eternity, they're all going to burn up anyway. Amen. Jesus said, I do nothing unless I see my Father do it. He didn't even speak His own words. He said, I don't say a word unless I hear Him say. And what He says, I say. Imagine that. That dependence, whole dependence upon the Father to speak, then He would speak. To do something, then He would do it. Do you know that Jesus never had an original thought? Amen. He had the Father's thoughts. He only did what he saw the Father do. Now, if we are going to grow spiritually and mature in the Lord, we need to settle this issue once and for all. We need to give more and more room to his divine inspiration and to his divine influence in our daily lives. He will not force himself upon us. We need to understand that. He's a gentleman. In fact, Isaiah prophesied about him. And he said in Isaiah 42 verses 2 and 3, He shall not cry, he shall not lift up his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. That's why I said he doesn't shout, he doesn't raise his voice. Amen. Amen. A bruised reed he shall not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. And he shall bring forth judgment into truth. He's gentle. And so you need to stand to attention and be still before you hear what he has to say. Some of us don't even bother to ask him because they don't want to hear what he has to say. (laughs) Is some of the church members, they don't want to go to the pastor because they already know what the pastor is going to say. (laughs) I have a young lady in our church and you know, she she did something and and it was a major decision and it was was the wrong thing to do. He He took off and she took off and went somewhere when I was going to visit at that particular time. And when I asked him, why didn't you ask? You knew I was coming. And I traveled, what, 12,000 miles to be here. And you're not, well, she said, Pastor, I knew what you were going to say. So because I knew what you were going to say, I didn't want to ask. It's better to repent and ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. (laughs) Yeah. You know, some of us know what the Lord is going to say, so we don't even bother asking Him. We, don't, we, we just put the finger in our ears. We don't want to hear. We better hear. You better hear what He has to say, because it's going to cost you an awful lot of pain and an awful lot of suffering afterwards. Every decision we make has consequences. 
And you know some of us continue to make the wrong decisions in life and we want someone to come along, wave his magic wand and sort out all of our problems. It doesn't work that way. You, some of us have to live with our Ishmael's, folks. Yes. Amen. Amen. Abraham lived with his mistake. He was impatient. He rushed ahead. He did something and he had to live with it. Sure, God forgives. But the consequences remain. And we must not forget that. You've got to live with your mistakes. God will forgive you again and again. But the time comes when you stop making those same mistakes. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, time is running so fast. I want to talk a little bit about the formation of character and the direct influence the anointing of the Spirit uh, brings into our lives or the formation of character that is a result of the anointing abiding within In Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. One of the primary functions of the anointing within us is the formation of our Christ-like character. Amen? That is being able to grow, we are being able to grow in the fruit of this. The gifts are a gift. Amen? You don't have to exert any faith or they just come upon you. It's like you stick uh, on a Christmas tree those little goodies, you know. But the fruit grows. And that is when we allow the unction or the anointing of the Spirit to exert His influence upon our soul. Now giving honor to the anointing within and submitting to His guidance and influence causes us to grow and mature spiritually. Amen? Amen. Now there is a vast difference between the anointing within... And the anointing upon the believer. There's a difference and I'm going to explain it now. The anointing upon is for the purpose of power to minister to others. And the impartation of spiritual gifts. That's when the Spirit comes upon us. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Notice it doesn't say within you, it says upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, that is when the anointing comes upon to minister to others. And the impartation of spiritual gifts. Now, the anointing within though is for the formation of our Christ-like character. And the ability to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Those are the two different functions of the Spirit. The one is for power. The other is for fruit bearing. And believe me, we need both. God didn't give us a choice. Take the one and leave the other. Amen? The Word of God says that this holy unction within the believer 
will glorify the Lord Jesus by receiving what belongs to him and showing it to us. How does the Holy Spirit within form Christ-like character within us? And I'm going to explain it now. Peter gives a beautiful explanation of how he does this work. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 2 through 4. I want you to find that because this is important as we close the second session. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Whereby we are given unto us great and precious promises, that by these promises you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, let's, let's unpackage these verses of Scripture and see what, the Apostle Peter tells us. He says, This divine unction within takes the promises of God which were given to us, and through these promises He imparts the divine nature of God to our spirit and to our soul, renewing the mind, renewing and restoring the soul, and through this impartation of the divine promises, our character is being formed and molded into Christ-likeness. How does he do it? Through the Word. Through the Word. He takes the promises, makes them life and light to you, and imparts this life into your soul and into your spirit, and our character is formed. It's a wonderful work of the Spirit. This is what Jesus meant when he said, He will take the things of mine and he will show them to you or reveal them to you. When he reveals them to you, he imparts them to you. He makes you one with a promise. He makes you one with the word. He makes you one with the character of God. And that is the ministry of the anointing within he imparts His nature to us by divine revelation, and He does that as we take time to meditate on His Word. Do you see how important is the Word and the Spirit working together, imparting to us restoration, Christ-likeness, patience? You want more patience? You want more love? You want more joy? You go to spend more time into the Word. The words that I speak to you, they are... Spirit and they are life. These things I have spoken unto you that your joy may be full. How do you get fullness of joy? How do you get fullness of life? How do you get fullness of love? By the impartation of the divine promises as the Spirit reveals them to you and imparts them to your spirit and soul. Amen. Amen. So we come to the end of our second session. God bless. I'm going to ask Apostle Jim to receive a, a love offering this morning. No force, no pressure. You are given an opportunity to sow your seed into the work of this ministry. And I guarantee you, it will fall on fertile soil. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources and more information about this ministry, come and visit us at www.alphaomegaint.org.za.